Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So I always, I always wanted to play in the NFL and the NBA at the at the Big same time. At the, yeah, Big <laughs> knows I'm a hooper. As, as a kid, that, I mean, that's like me being a young kid. It's like, what do you want to do? I want to play in the NFL, and then in the offseason, I want to play in, in the NBA too. But you know, I'd say you know, I grew up in Indiana, so like basketball was king. Welcome to 94 and More, presented by Bristol Studio. While a basketball court might be 94 feet, we believe it's limiting to solely look at this beautiful game as a sport. In our minds, it's closer to an art form, even a tool through which we can study the world and learn about ourselves. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and on this podcast, we will explore the game of basketball, not only as a sport, but as a dynamic force that influences culture, builds bridges, and has the ability to shape our national conversation. Hope you enjoy. As always, feel free to reach out to us at 94 at bristol-studio.com and follow us on Instagram at Bristol Studio and at 94 and more podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Today I'm joined by my co-host Vic Law. What's Vic, up, guys? How you doing? Good, man. And our guest today is Ben Skoranek. Ben, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how has everything been for you moving out here? It's good. When Vic left Northwestern, it was very hard to get a, get a hold of him. But, um, no, everything's going great. Uh, just getting adjusted to my new home out here. Um, no complaints. Beautiful weather. It's a lot a lot nicer than the Midwest where I spent my whole life. So, um, yeah, happy man. to be out here. Vic is, Vic is a hard man to get a hold of. Even, uh, you know, working with him on this show, he was late today. So, you know. I was late. <laughs> didn't know he was going to make it. <laughs> How often does a guest show up before you? I was late. Honestly, My this was the first. Man. This was the first time. Right. This was late. the first time. That's crazy. You two are both harder to catch than COVID in America. So I don't want to hear anything about I was late, this or that. I think I was right on time. Come on. You might have been right on time. But you know if you're on time, you're late. That's and right. also, let's let's just go back to Bennett saying when I left Northwestern. For a guy who also left Northwestern, <laughs> very interesting choice of words. <laughs> Yeah, but I still responded to your text when I left. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, well, all right, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ben, what have been some of the, the biggest adjustments, you know, coming out to L.A. and getting settled and, and working your way into uh, a training camp and all of that? Take us through what your day-to-day looks like. You know, the Rams did a really good job of kind of, you know, getting us acclimated to, to L.A. and everything. And, you know, they, they had everything we needed. Um, and they always had, you know, people – if we had questions to get a hold of and everything, but you know, it, it's kind of just getting comfortable with the area. You know, you move to a, a new place. Um, I've been to Orange County um, a handful of times. I have family down there, but I've re- never really spent time in LA. Um, you know, or like the Thousand Oaks area where I'm at now. So you know, just getting familiar with the area, and then you know, on the football side of things, it's like the playbooks, like learning a whole new offense. So just spending a lot of time studying that. And you know, when you first get there, you're you're in the huddle, you're hearing these these words and you're like all right what does that mean what does this mean it's like I felt like I was in seventh grade again like listening to my Spanish teacher like talk about homework or something I had no idea what she was talking about but um you know as, as you learn more as you hear it more just you get more familiar with it and that's the same thing with the locker room you know as you spend more time with with your new teammates you know you build those relationships and everything so 
Um, the past, I don't even know how long I've been out here. It seems like time's, <laughs> time's kind of flying a little bit, but the past couple of weeks, you know, it's, it's been, definitely been a transition, but it hasn't been too tough. Hey, uh, Bennett, as a, uh, an avid football fan and for our football listeners, can you kind of describe to us what it is to learn a playbook? Like, what does that mean, learning the playbook? Yeah, so <laughs> it's hard, right? So, um, you know, obviously when I, when I went to Northwestern, I learned Northwestern's playbook, and I was there for four years, didn't have a, you know, an offense coordinator, um, you know, change or anything like that. So it was the same offense for four years. So, you know, after your freshman year, you get, you know, you get pretty used to it. Um, you don't really have to study uh, you know, the playbook too much, you know, it turns into more of like studying defenses and stuff. And then, you know, when I transferred to Notre Dame, it was like, all right, you know, I need to learn Notre Dame's playbook. And that, like, that was kind of hard because, you know, there's different formations. Every playbook's different with the way they, they, they call things, but there's only so many words, you know, in, in the dictionary. So right. a lot of times learning the Notre Dame's playbook, I was like, okay, this word meant this and the Notre Dame or in the Northwestern offense. So I, you know, just completely try to forget that offense out, you know, out, out of your brain and everything. And then, and then you just study it. Like, I can't tell you how many different formations, formation variations, motions, um, pass protections where you, you need to know who's hot. And then just like different combinations of routes and, and then run plays who you're supposed to block. So really just, you know, it, it comes down to, um, you know, it, it's like school. Like if you want to learn something, memorize it, you have to study. Um, you know, I don't think there's anybody, you know, maybe the people yeah. with the graphic memories, but like, you know, you just have to spend time and, and just yeah. hear and listen and just spend time like walking through, repping and watching. Do they, do the Did Rams you know? give you a uh, learning curve or is it kind of like you're expected <laughs> to kind of know it? Like, you know, they gave you the playbook, you got a day and, you know, just figure it out. Yeah. So there's, um, there's definitely like a little bit of a learning curve. You know, you, you come in the offense and there's, you know, guys who've been there for a handful of years and, you know, they, they know it you know, almost like the back of their hand. So, um, you know, I, I don't think they really expect us to know it like that. But um, once I got the playbook and, and everything, you know, the coaches, they, they do their, you know, installs with meetings and stuff. But, you know, I just try to stay ahead of everything and, and study at night because, like, it's all on the iPad. And, and do you have – do they give you film as well to watch? Like, how, how many hours of film are you watching on your own a week and, and how many hours do you think you're spending studying the playbook? Yeah, so the film is like all on a library. So it's the same. It's the same platform that like I use at Northwestern and Notre Dame. It's called Exos. So <clears throat> they like every game from. I mean, every single like football games on there. I, I, was there something similar for basketball, Vic? Um, like, they well, they would kind of share it on Dropbox when I was on the Magic. They would give us the plays and share it on Dropbox. But I asked a question about learning curve because in Orlando, when we go through training camp and we're learning the uh, the sets. There was zero learning curve. <laughs> you were right. kind of know it, know yeah. your cut, know what the opposite cut was supposed to be. And, and that was kind of how we, we, you know, operated. If you didn't know it, then, you know, you just kind of had to, to rotate to the back of the line. Right. Yeah. You got to learn fast because as you know, like, you, you know, it, you only get so many opportunities and you got to make the most <laughs> yeah. of them. So you don't want to be out there like looking around, like, uh, what, what do I do here? So, um, I mean, yeah, there, there's a learning curve, but at the same time, it's like not a true learning curve. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, it's just like, you know, all the, the games are on there from however many years, every NFL game, uh, all like the practices, meetings, stuff like that. And I was very fortunate because with COVID and everything, like some of the install meetings were recorded. Um, so I just like watch that, um, spend time in the playbook, you know, and then spend time like walking through and, and hearing the quarterback, you know, say the call. This is outside of the facility, like at the hotel, again with the quarterback, just, 
you know, listen to the call in the huddle because they talk pretty fast and you only hear it once. So just going and lining up and, you know, I, yeah. I don't know how many hours a week I spend, but like, yeah, you know, definitely get home from the facility and it's more football, you know, trying yeah. to catch up with the vets. I imagine it's interesting, especially in this situation with, with uh, Jared Goff being gone and now having Matthew Stafford coming in. I mean, he's been a pro for so long that he probably understands what it takes and he's probably has his rhythm into preparing for the season. But since he's also learning the playbook and learning, you know, what the Rams style of offense is going to be, I imagine that's, that's kind of interesting for uh, the cohesion of the receivers and the quarterback and, and kind of building that chemistry together. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're pros though, and they've been pros for yeah. a handful of years. So, um, I mean, I, I don't even know how long he's Matthews played, but he's played a long time. So, you know, it, it, he knows, you know, football and, you know, my, my biggest thing is, like, all these coaches, you know, they, they switch teams so often. Like, it's impressive how many playbooks these coaches learn and, like, and all that. Because I'm not – I played high school basketball, Vic, but, like, I don't understand basketball like that. Like, as far as the playbook <laughs> and everything, like, is it sets or, like, concepts or, like, how does that, how does that it's work? Just con- it's just um, regular basketball knowledge, right? Like, everyone runs a variation of the same stuff. So in college, in college and the NBA, right? Like, I would say you're really learning spots, right? So at your position, you you know, you're just in the spot and you know when this happens, you make this read, right? Because in the NBA, everything ends up either in isolation or a high ball screen anyway. So let's say I'm a wing player. Like a lot of NBA teams run a play called 77, which is a double double drag at the top of the top of the key, right? Point guard comes off if you're in the corner and the ball gets thrown back to the big, you come up, and it's a side ball. And after that, you're just playing basketball, right? Like, it's not yeah. so difficult, um, but you do have to know, like the like you said, the lingo, um, the phrases where you need to be, what, like, the timing of stuff, because uh, it comes pretty fast. Like, you know, like, people are talking quick. You don't have time to sit there and be like, uh, okay, uh, double drag. You know, you don't have time to just sit there and kind of yeah, yeah. No. go through the motions of it. It's like, I, when, when you ask about, like, Stafford and the receiving core, like, having that chemistry it's like yeah I mean I just feel like they play so much football and and, and they know but then you look at you know like the Nets you know getting like Kyrie yeah. Durant and like Harden it's right. like those guys yeah. can hardly play together but like they just have a feel for each other so I think it's just like part yeah. of being a professional I don't want to say that yeah is is football has that always been your dream has that always been what you wanted to do so I I always wanted to play in the NFL and the NBA. I mean, Vic at the, at Vic the same time. At the, yeah, Vic <laughs> knows I'm a pooper as, as a kid. That, I mean, that's like me being a young kid. It's like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to play in the NFL, and then in the offseason, I want to play in, in the NBA too. But you know, I'd say, you know, I grew up in Indiana, so like basketball was king. Um, you know, it's the best basketball state in the Midwest. Just kills Illinois. I know. <laughs> I know. Man. My goodness. Careful. Don't sign off. Chicago <laughs> has some good basketball too, but um, in Indiana, it's like Indiana basketball is it. Indiana University's basketball, yeah. like that's what I grew yeah. up wanting to go play at IU, um, play basketball there, and Definitely. that's just that's just what it was. But um, now I always played football. I, I had an uncle that played in the NFL, so I was around the NFL for you know my childhood. I remember like being in the locker rooms and stuff, and it just seemed like normal to me. Like this is a normal job mm-hmm. for someone to have. I, I don't know why, but. Um, it did. And then I, I'd say probably like my eighth grade year is when I, you know, realized, um, 
you know, I probably wasn't going to make the NBA in basketball. <laughs> you know, <it> was, <laughs> what, what happened that made you realize it? Was there a moment or you just kind of got to that place where you were like, ah, I'm going to try something else? Well, I, I realized, I realized I probably wasn't going to be, you know, a six, five, six, 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 seven type guy. Um, yeah, I hit, I, I hit my growth spurt kind of late. So in eighth grade, I was still like pretty average height. And then like my ninth, 10th grade year, I went to like six, three, but my, I mean, my dad's six, three, my uncle, I have no uncle like above six, five. So I'm like, yeah. all right, well, I mean, it would be a miracle if I ended up being tall enough to play in the NBA. And, um, so I just, I, I kind of started focusing on football more. My, my brother, that's when my brother was like doing the college camps and everything. So I was like around all these, you know, top prospects and just going and like watching. And, I, and it's really when I, I think I like fell in love with the grind of football. And, um, you know, I played basketball my freshman, junior or freshman, sophomore, junior year of, of high school. But, uh, you know, I was like in the offseason, I was more focused on football and, and would miss some basketball stuff to do football. So. Where'd your thought process go? Six three, you could have been an NBA point guard. It's possible. My, my jump. See, I could have been a point guard, but like I, I never really played point guard much. Um, yeah, I was more like a, a three or four. You know, I'm not gonna be a wing. In the See, NBA. that's your coach's fault, though. That's not your fault. That's your coach's not seeing yeah, the potential. Well, you know, it, it was it was a pipe dream of mine, I guess. But uh, I mean, I played some pickup. I played some pickup with you, big. Oh no, we remember you, Miller cop, get a huge block on you, and then I was dunking on you. Wait, Miller cop running on me? Yeah. How about uh, he's he, going to Indiana too? You're gonna, you're gonna he support is, the Yeah, that's full circle. Or or <laughs> those uh the springtime runs at what was yeah. that place? Bomb? <laughs> Jake, <laughs> let me tell you. Um yeah. back in Northwestern in the in the heyday, man. Um when uh Well Shrine was getting renovated, there was an old rec center called Blomquist that uh just turned to be like the Evanston mecca of pickup basketball we got basketball guys in there soccer guys football guys that. all in there playing five on five and to be honest it's like one of the funnest like memories i have of northwestern is in there playing like just pick up with everyone like it just was a, a great time the games were pretty good too it wasn't like yeah we like they were bullshit like, games yeah we have like three basketball players and like two football players like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i, I mean, think was, i think i heard about this it was I think so Charlie much talks fun about it. Like, we go on the what like Fridays, right? In the spring. Yeah, it was awesome. We only did like three of them, I want to say, but like yeah. that, like you said, that was one of your best memories at Northwestern. Yeah. Like, I, I remember the, those were so much fun. I think it was my sophomore year, probably your junior year. Like, yeah, just that, that's what I like a lot about Northwestern was how close, like, yeah, everyone the basketball guys were with the football. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a the, the, the community there was great, but yeah, those, those basketball. Basketball was still, you know, still a part of your life and more of a, a fun, like this is just letting loose, playing with some guys, like just kind of not so serious, right? You still kind of had that the love and the passion for that, for oh, basketball. I'll, I'll, yeah, I always have the love. I I actually wanted to, like, I'm not kidding. After we played those those pickup games, because you got to admit, big, you know, some alley-oops were thrown, some some dunks were put down. <laughs> I'm not going to say by who. But by who? <laughs> Someone on the Zoom and it wasn't you, Vic, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually thought about like walking on the basketball team. Um, I just, I well, love also sport. on the football team. What's that? Well, also on the football team. Well, also on the football team. I was like, you know, I, I love, I love basketball, but um, I haven't played much in the past couple of years with COVID and everything. And, you know, kind of transitioned to a professional athlete. I, I, I don't yeah. want a, a fluke yeah. injury to happen, but it's like, I don't even know. I, 
like my high school games in Indiana, not because of me, because we had a kid named Kayla Swanigan who was an unbelievable power forward. But um, like our games were all sold out. It was so much fun. We won state. So like I'll, I'll always have a love for basketball. Well, Jake, you know we have a theme of, of getting guys that I've beaten in basketball on this we uh, do. podcast. It's just a, a regular thing. But and they, know, and they usually shoot shots at you. They do. I, I always leave it alone. <laughs> but I will say uh, – You got time today. My, uh, my high school team was nationally ranked, and we were always good against other really good teams. We were horrible against, like – if you were, like, a no-name team that kind of yeah. ran, like, offense and stuff, we sucked against you because we would look – in the, in the warm-ups, we looked down there <laughs> – like, oh, well, this game doesn't matter. You, but if you, we you were look, like, if we played you, you down and, and nobody's like, you know, going to be above the rim, dog, like, without touching the rim because that's a technical. Yeah, I know what you mean. But if we saw you and Caleb down there, like, you know, warming up properly, we would have taken it very seriously. So I don't know, man. We beat a lot of. Um, the, the thing is, state though, champions. I, didn't even, I didn't even start on my basketball team. We had. Yeah, we would have killed you guys. We had three. <laughs> we had three D1 guys, two D2, and then I was a six man coming off the bench. Defending, locking, locking guys up. So you were the glue guy. Then. What? You were the glue guy. I was like the Sanjay Lumpkin coming <laughs> off the bat. Uh, like, we so. we would kill you guys, but it's all right. We don't we don't have to talk about. Uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that alone. Because then, because then we got to bring in Crossroads, and we all know Crossroads of the three teams was dead last. I am not going to take that <laughs> bait. I'm going to be. I'm going to just move us along so we don't get caught. In wait, this. wait before before you before we move along. Jake, I'm very impressed that we got an L.A. Ram on here. And uh, Bennett, Jake is a diehard Rams fan. So I, I don't know, you, if, you know if he's mentioned that, but is, he's a diehard is that, Rams fan. Is, is that why he was asking about Stafford? And, and yeah, yeah you know, he wants the inside he's, scoop. He's, he's going he's gonna to cut out. He's gonna cut out. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. <laughs> we, we, have, we have talked about the Rams on this podcast multiple times. And it's usually me defending the Rams and not defending Jared Goff. So that just kind of gives you, you know, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about Matt Stafford. So that, you know, that's kind of why I'm asking those questions, but also curious to see, you know, what, what that's like being in a locker room with a quarterback that's coming over from a, you know, he's been in Detroit for his whole career. So I'm definitely curious to see what it's like for him to adapt to the, the new offense and, and see what that looks like going forward. Okay, and Vic is a big as a Rams hater. Yeah. And I don't get it. He doesn't even. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm just. You talk, uh, oh, stop. Bears stop. savant. When we, when we the Bears the played the Rams. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know me and Jake know. <laughs> you, and I'll, and you I'll, don't I'll, even. I'll come back on. I'll come back on after that game. Yeah, can, I, you have to. I've got a Rams jersey, Jake. Jake, oh, hold on. We're we're home. we're gonna stop. Is it, a, is it a is it a is it an eighty one Skoranek jersey though? Come on. I'll buy one. Are uh, they on sale yet? I don't know. Might I'll get one. It's yeah, a, you're gonna have to let us know when they're on sale. I'm in the market for a new Rams jersey, so let me know when that's on sale because Todd Gurley is no longer a Ram. True. Yeah, you need that's a new one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I need a new one. What kind of super fan is that, huh? It's got a Todd Gurley. Hey, Todd Gurley. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to find my my glue guy. We got him. All right, yeah, let's get back. Let's get back on track. So, what was uh, take us through the football experience at Northwestern? What that was like for you? No, uh, it was great. You know, it was you know everything. Um, you know, out of high school that I expected, um, you know, coming in, I, I knew I wanted to play early and I was able to get on the field as a freshman, learn from a guy named Austin Carr, who who uh, finished like third in the Belitnikov that year, maybe second. I don't know. But he um, he was an unbelievable mentor to me that, that first year. And I learned so much from him. But, um, you know, I met some great people there, obviously. Um, you, Vic, being one of them. Uh, but, 
but just, you know, progressing through my career and just, you know, taking a bigger leadership role every single year, it was, it was great. Um, that grew so much as both a football player, but also, also like a young man. And then, you know, graduated, you know, with a degree from a top 10 university, which, you know, I never in my life ever thought I'd be going to, you know, a school like what that. What was your, what was your degree in? Communication. Okay. With the, with the IMC certificate. So I, I graduated in, um, in three and a quarter, but yeah, just going back to like the football experience, man, just, just the people in that, in that building. Um, and, you know, it starts with coach Fitz. He would, the culture is, you know, unbelievable. And, um, there's just a, a great group of guys, like, you know, I've made so many friends, you know, just being in the yeah. locker room. Um, I know Vic can attest to that. Just like the time you spend with your teammates is, is what you really like value from, you know, your college experience. And, you know, obviously you're going to grow in other areas, but, you know, those, those relationships yeah. are everything. Um, they're, they're definitely lifelong. I'm going to ask uh, two questions, kind of simultaneous questions. My first one is, um, can you kind of tell us your defining moment? Like, when did you know that you could be special in football? Like, is there a play? a moment, an instance where you're just like, oh, this is my shit. Like, I know I can further this. And two, what are, what's the one takeaway you can um, kind of give us from Northwestern? What do you still apply in your life today from Northwestern football? All right. Those are two good questions. Um, this is my first rodeo, man. <laughs> yeah, so the defining moment, you know, I, my, my sophomore year in high school, I don't even know how, like, we were just like average that year, but I had a game where like, you know, I just, I, I like, I, like I said, on the, like earlier, I was a late bloomer. So like I was just a skinny kid out there. I looked like a draft running around, but, um, you know, long arms, like huge hands, like didn't grow into my body yet. You know, I, I had like a one handed, like touchdown in the corner of the end zone. I was like, okay, like I might, I might, I might be, you know, kind of good at this, but, um, and then in college, I think after my, I I struggled my freshman year. Like it was it was really hard going into my sophomore year. That spring ball, I kind of I kind of started like come into into myself. And I think what I talked about earlier with like learning the offense. You know, once you like know it, you can really start playing free, and, and you don't have to think so much. So um, just this that sophomore that spring going into my sophomore year, I was like, okay, I I, I can be a good college player. You know, I, I can I can go play in the NFL. And I think that's really when my mindset you know flipped to like you know, I'm almost preparing like a pro. And then right. to answer your second part of the question, um, the one thing, probably like just the, the outworking people. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, was a cornerstone at Northwestern was, you know, like we might not have the most talented players, um, but like we're going to come to work, you know, every single day and, mm-hmm. and just the attention to detail and stuff like that. Um, you know, there was never a game, you know, my four years there that, I thought we were going to lose. Like I, I went into every game. I don't care. You know, we were my freshman year. I think we were like two and four. We went to Columbus to play Ohio state and they were undefeated. Like, you know, I think number two in the country. And like, I a hundred percent thought we were going to win. We ended up losing by, I think four, but um, you know, it was just, we, we just outworked people. Like we prepare better than people and, and just pay you know, closer attention to the details. Where do you think that developed for you? Um, you know, the, the attention to detail, the work ethic, because there are a lot of great talents that, you know, don't have that work ethic and they don't make it to that, this level that you are now at. Where do you think you developed that on your journey? Yeah, I think it was just, you know, growing up. Um, so like, like I said, so my uncle played like in the NFL and yeah. I always like, 
I always told my parents, like, I want to be a pro athlete. And they're like, well, what do you really want to do? I was like, I, I want to be a, a pro athlete. Um, and I think because, like, I was so, like, determined in that way, like, my – more so, like, my dad. So, my dad was, like, more of, like, the sports head in the family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he would be the coach on, like, the youth teams and stuff. And he was always harder on me um, just, you know, because he knew – he knew he I wanted to be – great and um you know it, he was never like over the top you know it's, it's because mm -hmm. I told him I want to be a professional athlete so um because of that uh you know I think I just developed it and and he where he grew up you know he grew up in, you know in a low-income uh, household in south west Pennsylvania in, in a you know coal mining town so um that's like the way he grew up you know just a gritty blue-collar lifestyle and that's the way he kind of him and my mom, you know, raised our family. So I think it was just kind of natural for me. And then going to college, um, you, you just, you know, apply that and, 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 you know, the aspects you can. I don't think you can, like, truly be hardworking in, in every single aspect of your life. Like, there's not enough time in the day to, to be able to devote that time. But um, you have to, like, pick and choose, you know, where, where to place, you know, your, your time yeah. and work hard. Your energy. Yeah. yeah. So going back a little bit, when you were being recruited out of high school, what were you looking for and what made you choose Northwestern? Yeah. So I like, like I was just going on these visits and like hearing, I, I wasn't a big time recruit at all. Like I was, I mean, I had, you know, a couple of big 10 offers, like a lot of, you know, Mac offers, but I wasn't like the kid, you know, with mm -hmm. every single offer in the country can go anywhere. Like I was going on these recruiting visits, like hoping to get offered or like, you know, like hoping not to get my offer taken away or something like that. Where like some kids I grew up with were like going on these recruiting visits and like schools are like begging them to come. Like they already had the offers and everything. So um, for me, it was like, it was a different recruiting process really, but just going, um, going to these schools and then just hearing what they have to offer and comparing them against each other. And I actually went to a, a Northwestern game. My, what was it my junior year of high school, like really early in that season. And, they gave like a recruiting presentation. I think I might've briefly met uh, the receiver coach, coach Fitz, maybe just like a brief handshake or something. And, uh, but like with the recruiting pitch with the academics, um, you know, Did the, they the tell call, you the uh, field house was going to be built on the recruiting. Pitch? They, 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 they said <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a new field house. So, uh, you know, it was after that trip, I, I was in the car, my dad took me and one of my high school teammates. So we're in the car and I was like, dad, I, I want to go to Northwestern. And they, they hadn't offered me at this point. And then, I went back my the spring of my junior year and they ended up offering me. Um, and I, I went back with my dad did like the recruiting visits um, with me. He was just more flexible with work. Um, so like we went during a school day and, you know, they offered me and I was like, all right, I, I'm going to come here, but I wanted, you know, my mom to check it out first. So uh, I waited a little bit to commit, but you know, to me, it was just a mix of big 10 football, um, the opportunity to play early. And then, you know, it's just a, a prestigious, prestigious academic uh, institution and then I just I, I like the family culture of, of the football program and yeah man it's just like it's a beautiful campus as well as, as you guys know yeah yeah I mean it it kind of reminds me of you know Vic what, what you went through with it and kind of your story about choosing Northwestern you know you you found this program that it wasn't necessarily the most elite basketball or football program but there was something about the camaraderie, the energy, 
uh, feeling like you can belong, make an impact, and then also you know, have a high education, something that's going to carry you far beyond the court or the field. Um, I mean, so I don't know, Vic. Yeah. I mean, we had this uh, conversation with uh, Miles Boykin um, yeah. last podcast. It's kind of interesting that we got, you know, the past Notre yeah. Dame, uh, future Notre Dame. And, uh, yeah, I actually Bennett. just met him. He's a great dude. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but when you go to a place like Northwestern, Notre Dame, you are almost um, allowed this kind of breathing room, right, when you're done playing sports. You know that the ball is eventually going to stop bouncing. Routes are eventually going to stop. You know, you're not going to always be able to play sports forever, right? It's a blessing while you can, and, you know, you want to reap the benefits while it's going on. But after that's done, there's still a large portion of life left to live, right? And having the background of Northwestern, Notre Dame, and those connections in that degree just gives you a sense of relief that the world is in, in some aspects your oyster, right? You, like, you can have a leg up on other people when it comes to trying to get a job, being connected with people in high places. Like it's just uh, truly amazing, like having that background. Uh, but Bennett, I have a question. What, um, going from Northwestern Notre Dame, right? Like I'm sure that was a hard decision leaving that camaraderie and that family atmosphere, but making that business decision to go to Notre Dame and further your athletic career, um, how do you think you got better? And what are the differences, some of the differences you felt with Notre Dame football? Yeah, um, yeah, it was definitely like a, a business decision. Um, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to go somewhere that, you know, really produces, you know, NFL um, draft picks. You know, right. that's really what it came down to. So, um, you know, just going there, it was, it was weird for me. So I graduated Northwestern in December. Um, I, like, entered the transfer portal, had like two weeks to visit schools. Right. Uh, and by the time, like, by the time schools really started like reaching out, I was like, all right, I have one weekend and it's a dead period. And then I have to decide like where I'm going. So um, I, it was actually funny when, when I told coach Fitz that I was going to transfer, um, he's like any schools in particular. And I had no contact with Notre Dame or anything. I was like, you know, I don't know. I, I Notre Dame, I like the way they use Chase Claypool and, and Boykin, you know, the mm -hmm. past couple of years. And um, that was the one school I said, and they actually reached out the next day and, um, you know, it seemed like almost a match made in heaven where they have a, a really good offensive line returning, a fifth-year quarterback returning. They're losing their top two pass catchers. I was like, I, I can step in and, 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 you know, be a player here. But yeah. um, when I got there in January, you know, it, it was it was great. Um, kind of like the experience I have right now with, with, with the Rams, just learning the new offense, you know, learning, getting to know, building relationships in the locker room, just like learning the, the, the culture of the mm -hmm. program. Um and, you know, that lasted for like, what, eight weeks. And then the coronavirus hit. We, we all went to Vegas yeah. for spring break and then we never came back to, to South Bend. So, um, you know, it was definitely the, not an ideal uh, transfer situation there because I didn't have a spring ball to really like show the coaches what I can do. You know, there was no promise with playing time, anything like that. Like, you know, I wanted to, to earn it. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I really had to pay attention to like, the details, you know, it was, it, we were doing zoom meetings. So paying attention to the details of the offense and, you know, I knew I couldn't impress on the field. So I had to impress in the film room. Like I had to answer every right. question, you know, the right way. And um, because of that, like, I don't even know how long it was probably three months of just straight like zoom meetings and watching tape. You know, I really truly felt like I, that was the first time I became a student of the game. Like mm -hmm. I always watched tape. I always studied the opponents, but like, I started seeing the game differently. Um, 
and stuff like that. So that helped me. And then once we got to camp, um, I was able to prove myself there and, um, you know, I had, had a pretty good season, but, you know, the biggest difference I felt at Notre Dame, which like the Northwestern was just, I don't want to say this in like a bad way, but like, I really had to compete for my spot. If that makes sense. Like there was a lot of talented, um, players there, like, especially at the receiver position, you know, you, you come in as, as a fifth year guy, you think, you know, these are just yeah. young, those young cats are, are pretty dang good football players. So you gotta be, you know, on top of your game, you know, every single I mean, day. Um, that's a team good. that's expected to compete in the college football playoff. You know, right. it's, it's that, it's that type of environment every year. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it was good. And then just, you know, being in that environment, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. So, you know, competing against mm-hmm. guys every single day and knowing, you can have your job taken. Uh, you know, I was actually like fearful of that. Like I, I thought my career was was over. I, I pulled my hamstring the first game, and you know, I I was you know, I was in a bad place mentally because for you know however many weeks it took me to get back. You know, if the young guy starts producing, they're always going to put the young guy over the old yeah. guys. Um, you know, it's it's definitely has its pros. Um, you know, just getting better, but it also has its cons. Yeah. I'm glad uh, you uh, persevered and you know, have gotten to the place you've gotten to, but that a lot of people underestimate how valuable a skill being able to compete and wanting to compete is. Because if you want to be a professional athlete, if you don't have the background or mindset that you want to compete every day and earn like what you get, you have no chance of being a good pro. Like nothing is given in this business. Everything is easily taken away. Like we have all heard and been your student experience how tough the business is and like what the business side of sports look like. Right. And having to compete against other people, having to kind of like, you know, work for your money. Like it's a job now, right? Like they don't have to um, agree or award to a four-year scholarship. You play bad one game, your, you know, your position could be gone. Right. And it's day, game by game, day by day, you build up that respect, you build up that reputation that they can depend on you day in and day out. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like you just hit it. Hit that right on the head. Like it, it, the difference between college and pro, and I've only been a pro for a couple of weeks now. But um, you know, there's no guarantee of, of the scholarship that there wasn't in college. You know, if you mm-hmm. you see all these guys in the locker room, you look around. You know, there's more than there's more guys right now than what they can carry on the active roster. So um, you got to have that dog in you. You got to have that you know that competition mindset. Right. But um, you know, I, I think that's why these pros are so damn good. Um, you know, I'm quick learning it. Like. You better study yeah. your playbook at night. Like, you know, you, you yeah. have to be a pro at everything you do. Ben, in your opinion, what do you think it was that you, looking back on your, you know, your career in college, what do you think it was that you did really well that caught the eye of the Rams or any professional team that was interested in drafting you? What do you think you did that set you apart on that field from maybe a lot of other guys that had the talent, had successful seasons? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So, like a lot of, I, I interviewed with a you know majority of the teams in the league, and um, obviously my size sticks out. Like they're, you know, when I measured in, I actually measured in like smaller than what you know teams thought. They all thought I played bigger on film. So, um, you you really can't teach like length and then you know height as well. Um, you know, a lot of receivers aren't aren't as big as me. I'm one of the you know the bigger receivers. Um, yeah, I'm in the, in the top percentage of the, of the NFL right now. So, um, that that was a big thing. And then you know just a lot. Of, I heard. I heard a lot of times like the kid doesn't take a playoff. Like um, 
that's I had two great receiver coaches throughout my college career. Um, and their biggest emphasis was like on run plays, you better like you better block for your running back. Um, you know, on pass plays, you're not getting the ball, you better run your route hard, you know, to free up the, the zone where you know the the intent of the play is. So um, you know, for me, those are like the two biggest things. Um, you know, I, I've also heard like, wow, man, you look like you're deceptively athletic on, on tape. You know, I've heard deceptively <laughs> <laughs> You're deceptively fat. I've heard that many times, but, um, you know, I think for me, it was just like my size and then, you know, just being relentless. Um, you know, I know I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest, but, um, you know, I'm just going to have to, you know, grit through it, you know, get it how I can and, um, you know, try to make a living. I wanted to ask another question before we move forward, but do you have any funny stories or, or anything that sticks out in your mind all the years you've played football? Like, you know, Vic and I have talked a little bit about this from our short brief football experiences but for me an example was I remember the first time I ever played quarterback and tackle football my running back went the wrong way and I turned around and three guys just laid me out wind knocked out of me and I just was like oh welcome to football like this is how it's going to be do you have any stories that you remember that just stick out from your past I don't know 10 plus years of playing football so my dad my dad was telling the story not too long ago like I don't I, I hardly remember it but um Youth football, like we're playing some team and they're killing us, right? I'm bad, but so they, they're killing <laughs> us. I'm on defense. I play like D end or linebacker or something. Like I blitz. Um, I blitz from like the side the quarterback's looking, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. it's youth football, though. They, they're throwing the ball. It's like the fourth quarter up big. And I'm, I'm always like been a competitor. Like, I hate to lose. So I'm pissed as a kid, like trying to freaking kill these like, kill these, <laughs> these little youth guys they're probably like, what the hell is wrong with this kid but that's just who i am so they're up big this guy like drops back and then uh he doesn't see me coming i just lay him like it's before the game changed and i was also in like sixth grade maybe like fifth grade like it was my first year of playing tackle football so it's like head to head the kids oh. like the kids like laying on the ground like Oh. knocked out and I stood over him and like flex and I got like a flag from the ref that <laughs> was like I remember as a kid my dad told me this, I just started lying or laughing I was like I, you gotta be lying like, I, I hardly like I remember it now that he said it but like it was one of those yeah. funny but there's so many it's like that's that one comes to my head because you know, he recently told me that but like there's so yeah. many moments like so many Vic, you know, just like the 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 team meals, the bus rides, yeah, yeah. the the things guys say at practice, the moments yeah. in practice. Like you can't remember them all, but like when someone reminds you of them, it's just yeah, you're dying of laughter. Yeah, I man, I respect the wide receiver position because you know you guys you get laid out and you got to get back up and do it again. You oh gotta, man, <laughs> no, I've been been it's a deep ball guy. He doesn't run slants. No, I, I can't hit <laughs> hard before. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen Vic get hit hard on the basketball court, but it's it's nothing compared to coming across the middle. Oh, I play football too. I agree no, with I you. I, when I was younger, you would have. You I thought I was going to be NBA NFL. You, you would be on the Bears right now, Vic. If you kept playing. Who are you telling? I this I know. I tell people this all the time, man. If my high school coach know. didn't make I've, me stop playing football, I might have went to Northwestern and played both. I saw you your three step drop. Who were you? Quarterback or receiver? I was a quarterback and a safety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was more of more like an athlete. I wouldn't have cared like if if I, so if I had I kept playing in high school, right? I can only although I was a really good quarterback. I can only imagine they probably would have said 
like with my size and speed that I just been like gain weight, be a tight end or be a receiver. Yeah. Or you could have been like a six, seven quarterback, <laughs> AKA Trevor Lawrence. You could have been the first overall pick <laughs> in the draft. <laughs> I mean, dude, you got it. I mean, his spiral is not that good though. No, so, man, I, I gave it a spiral needs work. <laughs> Well, two tour lay, lay rooms later, Jake. I, I don't yeah, know. I'm do not throwing it. the heat. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> In the streets of Santa Monica with cars coming. It was a, it was quite a quite a day. But take us through once you finished up at Notre Dame and you were preparing for the draft. What was that like for you? Did you see yourself getting drafted? Did you think you were going to go undrafted and have to work your way onto a team? What was that whole process like? So my process was crazy. Um so, like, after the season, I signed with my agent. Like, uh, you interview agents throughout the year, kind of. And then um, I stopped. Like, I started sending to my to my my family. I was like, hey, uh, like I'm trying to, you know, we're 10-0. Like, about to, you know, I was like, I, I'm trying to focus on this season. I want to win, you know, a national championship. So, um, yeah, I kind of had an idea of who I was going to pick. But I had my family kind of finish out the interviews. And we all agreed. Um so I, I, I signed with my agent the day after the, the Alabama game, you know, fly back to Notre Dame, pack my apartment up, drive home, sign with my agent. And then the next day, like I'm on a flight to, to Miami. Um, and like right after the season, you know, everything was positive. Like my film was great this year. My agent told me like, you know, four to six is where I see you going. It could go up higher with a good senior bowl. It could go up even higher with a good combine. Um, so I go down to Miami the next day, spend a week there doing some training, um, and then go to Tampa for two week, week and a half, um, and do training with Randy Moss before, before the senior bowl. So the week before the senior bowl, my foot started like killing me. Like, I had no idea like what was up. I just didn't really tell anybody like, you know, it was, it was, you know, the biggest opportunity in my life. Like mm-hmm. I, I, you went to the combine, right? Vic? The NBA. I didn't know. I went to Portsmouth, which is like the senior bowl for basketball. Got you. I knew, yeah. So, like, you have that opportunity. It's like, okay, I need to – Yeah. Like, I, I need to, you know, show out. Yeah. So, I didn't tell anybody my foot was killing me. Like, the first day of the senior bowl practice, I popped, like, eight ibuprofens. I'm trying to, like, get through that. Like, I had the worst day of football in my life. Like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't like, move laterally. Like, I, my foot just wasn't letting me. And then – um the second day, I popped, like, probably 10 ibuprofen. So I'm like, I got to have a better second day. Like, my first day was the worst day I could have possibly had. And then the second day, um, my foot, like, I just couldn't go anymore. I, I, I went to the trainer. I was like, hey, my, my foot's broken. Um, so then, like, the x-rays were like, yeah, your foot's definitely broken. <laughs> how how were you playing? And definitely like, broken. It's, it's like, 100% it's like broken. broken. So it's like, it's like um, – you know, you senior bowl is like a, a prestigious game to get invited to. Um, you know, the top yeah. 100 some players get invited. So I'm like, okay, I ball out here. I'm going to do well. Well, you know, I I didn't ball out. I had the worst day of football in my life. And then I, I break my foot on top of that. So um, I had to then go up to Green Bay, get a surgery done, and then went back down to Tampa. And like my brother moved in with me down there because it was my right foot. I couldn't drive. Um, as you know, the lower body injuries are the worst. The worst. As yeah, so, especially the sports where you're always on your feet. Yeah, you got yeah. the crutches in the background with the little scooter. The crutches too. and a scooter, man. <laughs> so at, at this point, like, you know, I'm just worried. I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I definitely lost a lot of money, but like, am I still going to get an opportunity? Like, I didn't know. 
coming into the NFL with an injury, like I didn't know if, if I was even going to get an opportunity, but, um, you know, the, the surgery went great rehab and, and all that, but, um, leading up to, I couldn't do I couldn't run my 40, which like I was pissed about. I really wanted to run my 40, like, and just show people like I'm faster yeah. than you think I am. Like that, yeah. that's something I had circled. Cause you know, I, I love, I don't know about you, Vic. I loved hearing like criticism. Like that shit just yeah. fired me up. So, like, Every everyone like calling me like slow and, and shit like I just really yeah. wanted to like prove them wrong. So when I couldn't do the combine because my foot, I was like I was kind of pissed. Like I really was looking forward to that for years. Um, and then after that, it's just like a waiting game. You know, you you do like interviews with coaches and teams and stuff, but you have no idea. Like, and my situation was just so weird because I, I had an injury. So going into the draft weekend, I went home and my mom was like, "Do you want people to come over?" And I was like, honestly, like, no, like, I, I don't. I, I don't think people realize how stressful you know, it is. Like, yeah. your future, it, you, you have no idea. Um, but I ended up having some people over, and, and and that day was just, like, the worst day and the best day of my life, um, all in one. And just, like, hearing a name call was a dream come true. Um, of course. So it, it, it was special. But my, my draft process was – Man, so like everyone told me to enjoy it, like all the bets I know, and then I felt like enjoy this process. Like it's fun. I know it's stressful, but like I didn't enjoy it at all. Like, <laughs> like having to like not you couldn't do anything to like improve your stock. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. like oh, this this sucks. draft day is the best and worst day of an athlete's yeah. career. Oh, it, it's it's like sitting there. My parents were like stressed out. My yeah. aunts and uncles and cousins like didn't really know like they, they knew what was going on but like they didn't like really know um my agent knew i was being picked by the rams if like he knew i was being picked in the draft by the rams were going to pick me but he didn't know like if i was going to get picked up earlier so just like talking to him and then getting calls from different coaches being like hey we got three picks coming up in the sixth round like those picks go by yeah. in the sixth round yeah here it was just it was just like so stressful miles Miles told us about that a bit. Like he said, he was getting calls from coaches and they didn't take him. And he was like, why are you, you know, why don't call me if you're not going to right. take me, you know, it's stressful. It's a stressful day. You get the phone call and you think this is it. Yeah. You think it's it. like, I got called. Um, I'm not going to say the team, but like I got called three times by him. And I'm like, dude, stop fucking calling me. <laughs> <laughs> you blocked the number. I like, I like, I like, hello, hello. And he's like, Hey, uh, any, have you heard anything from any other teams? I'm like, oh my gosh, man. Like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I just could be in that. And it was like, I got to find out that they were going to pick me with like a couple picks coming after, after the Rams or something. But um, it was just like, it was just yeah. weird, man. It was, a, it was a really weird day. Well, I heard your dad yeah. was uh, super mellowed out during the whole experience. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he was the most mellow I've ever seen. You know, he wasn't stressed <laughs> at all. I was, I was going from like, my basement to my living room to like outside it'd be like like five minutes after yeah. i went he'd like come and like you hear anything i was just like walk right i was like trying to <laughs> i was playing like hide and go sleep with, with my dad but it was, I, I i had uh tino came over to the house and then yeah. um you know some friends and, and family so it was, it was good to have them because yeah it gets your mind off things so, like we golfed in the morning and on the golf course like i get a call Zend out. like i'm trying to just get away from it for a little bit but <laughs> It was, it's weird. Yeah. And you ended up going in the seventh round, 249th overall pick. What was that phone call like? 
did your heart just stop? Like, were you even listening or are you just freaking out? So I didn't, I talked to the Rams once. Like I talked to him okay. once pre-draft process. It was just like a, a brief little uh, area scout interview, like 15 minutes, probably just like a short interview. And I got a call from Thousand Oaks, California. And I'm like, Thousand Oaks, California, like where the hell is that? Like, I talked to yeah. I had a handful of calls with the 49ers. And I had a handful of calls with the Chargers, like leading up to the draft. So I'm like, okay, is this is this the, the Chargers or is this the 49ers? And I answered and like I live kind of you know in, in the woods a little bit, so I don't have the best service. And then I, I was like, hello, is like this is and I kind of cut out with like and I thought I heard like LA Rams, and then I heard like we're gonna take you with the 249th pick and. At that point, I was sitting in front of the TV, but like I really, throughout the day, I was kind of like, I wasn't watching. Like, it, yeah. it pissed you off to like see names like picked ahead of you. Um, but I looked, I happened to be like in front of the TV and I looked up and it's like 249 pick of Rams. And I was like, when That's I answered the phone, like people started gathering around me and I was like, Rams, yeah. everyone went crazy. But the, the it kind of like seems surreal almost. Um, mm. And then, you know, they tell you, like, enjoy it. Like, they hang up. They're like, enjoy it with your family. Hang up. Um, so then, you know, my phone blows up. Like, <laughs> blows up. and I'm like, I try to answer the calls from, like, some people like, try to, like, call me. Right? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, my phone is blowing up. I'm getting, like, calls from people I haven't talked to in years. I'm like, what's going on right now? Um, but I, I get a call from, like, someone in the front office, uh, like, administrative, um, an administrator role. So I, I answer that and like I'm talking and then like as that call is going on, I missed the call from Coach McVay. So like oh, no. the first time <laughs> Coach McVay called me, I, I just totally ghosted him, ignored him. But, no. Um no, it was just like it was crazy. Like it, it literally took me two weeks to like respond to people and stuff. But um yeah, that that phone call, like Yeah. Like it almost seemed like I like I, I had to see on TV. I had to see my name pop up. Like, yeah. what if I was being prank called? Sure <laughs> like, <in the> <laughs> like, what, what if somebody prank called me? Like, that would have been the worst prank of all time. Um, Man, yeah, that's incredible. It's such an incredible. Like, it, I always enjoy hearing those stories because you know everybody dreams about it, but to hear it really like come true for people, and to hear what that day is like, um, and then that knowing that moment's got to be so cathartic and and so amazing to just spend that with your family and celebrate everything you've gone through, all the hard work you've put in um, and, and knowing, you know, I, I believe it's probably for the best and that this will be the right situation for you. So it's exciting, you know, going forward and, and just to see what you're going to do in the, uh, the next level. Damn right. You were picked exactly where you were supposed to be picked. This is I the know, beginning of a beautiful chapter. It's yeah. uh, that's, that's what my parents got that, you know, my family's like was the rock for me throughout this whole process. Um, but like, that's what they, you know, there's silver linings to everything. Like when I hurt my foot, I was like, I was real pissed, yeah. but ended up, you know, being drafted by, you know, a great organization, like, mm -hmm. you know, a, a great system. But, you know, you hit that on right on the head, big. Like, when you went through your injuries, like, you know, something always comes out on the other end. Like, you always come come back stronger, and it, it, everything always happens for a reason. I mean, you take it from a guy who's who's uh, basically the Iron Man at this point. Yeah, you go, you go through the sports is such a such a microcosm of life, man. You go through these ups and downs left turns like you just go through so many different paths and it's easy to get caught up in all the negatives and think man like what if I did this what if this didn't happen and you just got to remind yourself like whatever has happened has happened for a reason 
it's putting you exactly where you're supposed to be. Like you never know if the, the foot injury stalls you to get picked by the Rams and you turn out to be a, a pro yeah. bowler for them. Like it's just the right system for you. You're in LA. Like you just never know, man. Like it, this could be a beautiful thing to have happened. And in that whole draft day waiting, like everyone wants to be the number one pick, but you only need to be, you know, only one team needs to believe in you. Exactly. You only need one right yeah. situation. So, you know, at, over here at uh, 94 or more, definitely from me and Jake, we're uh, rooting for you, man. I'm, I'm going to buy that 81 jersey. Yeah, I am too. You heard it. Hey, you lock I, us in right here. Yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate the support. But no, it was good talking to you guys, especially you, Vic. I appreciate it. You, ever, you never answer my texts, never answer my calls. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. You never, I need, you, I'm going to buy a jersey now. I want your dad to sign it. No, no, it's, it's cool, man. It's cool. Vic's not, you know what's funny? Vic still hasn't signed my Orlando Magic jersey, and he was staying at my house for 10 days. So yeah, maybe next time when he's out here. That, that's maybe really next cool. time. Well, I'll be in L.A. Uh, in June. I know. So, you know we'll, uh, you got to sign we'll, my jersey, man. We'll link. Before we get out of here, Vic, you want to ask him your favorite question? Football player, man, because you're in football, we gotta we gotta go ahead and hit you with the name your top three receivers in the NFL right now. And we're not doing any of the the BS, oh, you know, in no order. You gotta do one, two, three, top three receivers. And then once you answer that, we're doing what's your Mount Rushmore of basketball? Oh man, I don't want any like teammates to get mad at me. <laughs> Can I defer to the next question? Uh no, so yeah, don't get them in trouble. Tyreek Hill had an amazing year. Um, I've, I've watched a ton of Cooper Cups. So like he comes to my mind. I obviously watching film. Um, yeah, dude, Stephon Diggs killed it this year. Tyreek killed it this year. I'm trying to think of who else killed it. Um, I know I'm probably missing somebody. Come on, Vic. Who, who are your top three? It's, I mean, I'm not in NFL right now, man. This is really <laughs> your top three receivers. I I, I really like Allen Robinson's game. Okay. Um, I guess that's three. I, I don't know. I, I, I just I love the position, so I love studying everybody. Michael Jordan, the goat, um, Kobe. How many people are on, are on Mount Rushmore? You could say four, three, or four. I'm an Indiana guy, so Larry Bird. After this year, like, like Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. Like, so changed your Mount Rushmore basketball. <laughs> he didn't say uh, LeBron, no, uh, Jake. Let's just he okay. Said so Mike, I, he Kobe, still he can have Bird, LeBron. Steph. I'm not I'm not a LeBron fan because I grew up a Pacers fan, right? So okay. LeBron knocked the Pacers uh, out every year of the playoffs. So I, I don't true. I don't I don't root for LeBron, but I am in LA now, so I have to pick between the Clippers or the Lakers, whoever. Don't choose the Clippers. Do not choose the Clippers. I promise you'll regret it. I promise you'll regret it. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling <laughs> you right Clippers? now. No, I'm a Lakers fan. And every year Clippers fans talk crazy and then they all, just blow it. So all I'm saying is I think I might be a fan. I mean, if one of those two teams can make it out of the first round, I might be a fan. We'll see. We'll see this year. It's still to be right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, appreciate you taking the time to do this. You know, I know you got a lot going on right now, and we really appreciate it and wish you the best of luck with the season. So hopefully we'll have you back on here soon. All right. I appreciate it. It was good talking to you guys. And of course. Catching up. Of course. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Ben. No, thanks right, for having y'all. me. Take care. Peace. Easy boys. Bye,
This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio. Sound editing by Rashad Allen. Music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.